turn with me to Ephesians. And um, there's just a lot tonight. Amen. And um, I appreciate everyone that's here. And um, I hope I didn't make you uncomfortable this morning trying to impress upon you the urgency of allowing the Holy Spirit an opportunity to reveal these truths to you. But um, I feel like this is among some of the most important things I have ever preached on, taught on. And there are a lot of things that we talked about this morning, we'll talk about tonight, that still remain a mystery even though it shouldn't be a mystery. There's a lot of people still in the dark where these things are concerned, and they shouldn't be. Some things that, um, amen, we just need to let the Lord show us and reveal to us. Amen? amen. In Ephesians 3, Paul talks about a mystery. And he says that it's a mystery that has been hidden from the sons of men for many, many, many generations. In other words, beginning with Adam all the way through until Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So all of those generations that lived upon the earth, God would give types and shadows and glimpses of what was to come. If I was to, you know, stand right here and a bright light was shining towards me, then this plant microphone stand, it would cast a shadow in my direction. And so everyone who lived before Jesus came, they only saw shadows of what was to come. His light shining towards them. His light is not just shining towards us tonight. His light is not just shining upon us tonight. His light is shining in us and through us tonight. That's just a poetic way of saying we don't just live in what they saw coming. We have become what they saw coming. The light that cast shadows in their direction was not just His light in Him, but it was also His light in us shining towards them. I know I've got you in Ephesians, just... The Holy Spirit's prompted me right now, so let me just share a few things with you. In Paul's introduction to the book of Romans, he gives us an explanation of what has transpired on planet Earth. He's in essence saying, if you look at me, I try to illustrate this with my hands. He's in essence saying that God created us to live way up here. 
but mankind is instead living way down here. We have fallen far below, far beneath God's plans, purposes, and intentions for us. And so Paul asked the question, what happened? And he said, what happened was this. People knew God perfectly well. I'm quoting from the message translation now. People knew perfectly God. People knew God perfectly well, but they refused to worship him. He goes on to say, listen to this now very carefully. This is important, setting the stage for what we're going to talk about tonight. He goes on to say that we trivialized ourselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left for our lives. Now, if you're listening to me tonight, I'm sure that you can relate to some point in your life where you got away from God or never knew God and you trivialized yourself. To trivialize means to make less of something than it was meant to be. To trivialize is to downplay the importance of something. But in this case, we're not talking about trivializing some condition or trivializing some situation. We're talking about actually trivializing our, ourselves. Making ourselves out to be less than God created and intended for us to be, living far beneath what He intended for us. Trivialized. Now, the new song that we sang tonight, I am who He says that I am. And in my Father's house, there's a place for me. Father God did not create you to be anybody's slave. Not His slave, not the slave to sin, not a slave to the law, not a slave to Satan, certainly not a slave to Satan. As I like to remind us early and often, He didn't just create you to rule over you, He created you to rule through you, to rule in you, and to allow you to experience His dominion on this planet, in this created realm. Now because we live amongst a planet filled with people, the overwhelming majority of which have trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there's neither sense nor direction left in their lives, it's very easy for us, even after we're born again, to continue to think of ourselves less than that for which God created us. And this is a problem. It's not just a problem for us. Please hear me. It's not just, you know, we look at this and we have for years and we will continue to look at this from the perspective of what it costs us, what we miss out on when we don't understand who we are in Christ. But no offense, that's not what we're going after tonight. I'm not saying I'm not interested in that. I'm certainly interested in you knowing who you are and experiencing that. But it's not just what it costs us that I'm wanting to draw your attention to tonight. It costs Father what, what it means to Him for you to step into the position that He not only created you for, He created us for that position, but then we turned our backs on Him and He came to find us. And Jesus purchased us with His own blood and made a way for us to be recreated in Christ Jesus. When we talk about belonging to God, I belong to Him. 
My life is not my own to do with as I please. Don't let the devil deceive you into thinking that your life is your own to do with as you please. It is not. You exist because Father God created you. And He didn't create you because He couldn't live without you. He lived a long time without us. He created you not because He needed you, but because He wanted you. Created you because He wanted you. Man. Sometimes I get on a roll and I just, you know, I just, I want to make sure you're hearing what I'm saying tonight. Created us to occupy a very special place. So we belong to Him. Let me go back to that for just a minute. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We're, here, we're His by virtue of He created us. We belong to Him. He made you. We belong to Him. He bought us. We belong to Him. He recreated us. We belong to Him. He birthed us. Our spirit was rebirthed. We belong to Him. And then He adopted us. We belong to Him. We are His many times over. Now, all of this that I'm telling you tonight provides the proper backdrop, provides the proper um, context for the amazing things that we find in Ephesians 1. But listen to me very carefully. God did not create you to survive. He created you to thrive. Most people live their lives, even born-again believers live their lives with a survival mindset. We need our minds renewed, reconditioned by the Spirit of God, renewed, reconditioned by the Word of God. You know why Donald Ballard hadn't had a bad day in all these years? It's because he found Jesus living in the woods. Or should I say Jesus found him living in the woods, Right? and made a new man out of it. And compared to what he was brought out of, his worst day in Christ is a thousand times better than his best day. Right? What we're talking about now is perspective. And most people live life as a survivor because they think like a survivor. And most people live like a survivor because they think like a survivor because they were raised by survivors. This trivialization of man, it's one of Satan's number one tactics to use against you. He never, ever, ever wants you to know who you truly are. He never, ever, ever wants you to fully understand the love that your Creator Father has for you. He never wants you to know your worth. He never wants you to know your authority. He never wants you... He's fought your whole life to keep you from understanding these things. For you to continue to think of yourself as a loser or as an addict or as a failure. For you to continue to think of yourself as someone who can't as opposed to someone who can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. He never wants you to understand these things. He never wants you to shift out of survival thinking and survival living into thriving thinking and into thriving living. Now, some of the things that we've covered already today, and I know some of you are not here, those things are available free of charge. Some of the things we're going to finish with tonight and then we'll continue next week. These are some of the most opposed and fought against doctrines and teachings in all of Christianity. And it's by design. 
It's because the enemy does not want these things proclaimed. The enemy does not want these things preached. He does not want people to hear the things that we're talking about today. That's why I said as passionately as I knew how to say it this morning, you have got to get this. And I'm telling you, there's an enemy, a very real enemy. He's rebuked and bound in Jesus' name. We give him no place. But there's a very real enemy who is trying desperately to keep you from ever hearing this. So when a lot of people, because we've lived so far beneath what God intended for our lives, when people begin to hear what life up here looks like, they say, no way. They say, that's impossible. Now, this mystery that Paul says has finally been revealed, this manifold wisdom, and I'll show you these words here in just a moment, He's talking about this grand plan that was birthed in the heart of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It, the Bible just simply says it was hidden in God sometime in eternity past. It could have been thousands of years. It could have been millions of years. God is eternal. But there came a day when this eternal plan started to unfold. It began with one statement. Are you ready? Let there be light. I love to say it. If it's corny, just laugh at me now, laugh at me later, or not at all, right? It was on like a chicken bone when God said, let there be light. The plan was beginning to unfold. Now, before I go any further, I want you to see something in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. And I apologize, I do not have a slide for this, but we'll just read it. Look on at your neighbor if you don't have a Bible in your lap. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Look at me for a minute. The Bible says that God will withhold no good thing from those who love Him. And when it comes to the realm of the Spirit, there is absolutely no blessing that has been withheld. Now, I'm not here to preach and teach and all these things because some folks say, well, look, I don't need spiritual blessings. I need physical blessings. I thank God for spiritual blessings, but I need a little cash in my bank account, Pastor Mark. No, no, please hear me. It's faith is how we appropriate these things. What he's communicating here is that Father God has withheld nothing from you. Nothing from you. He's even invited you to sit on the throne with Jesus. The devil never wants you to hear that. That's like sharp fingernails on a chalkboard to religiously minded people. But it says it clearly in Ephesians 2. He has made us sit together with Jesus in the heavenly places. He's withheld nothing from you. He has given you His kingdom. He's given you His name. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's given you His Word. Are you following what I'm saying? There is nothing 
that He has withheld from you. He's given you His favor. He's given you His blessing. Are you understand what I'm saying? Now again, people read this, and because they've been raised by people who trivialize themselves, and then we compounded it by trivializing our own selves, we all have this trivial attitude towards our own existence. God does not trivialize you. God does not look at you as trivial. He sees you as precious. He sees you as important. He sees you as a beautiful part of a grand plan that was in Him before the foundations of the world. A plan that began to unfold, that began to come from inside of God into the reality of time and space and continues to this day. Before Paul ever got to these things in chapter 3 and 4, he sets the stage for them in, in chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, comma, verse 4, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestined. Listen now, if you were raised in certain denominations, that word right there sets off all kinds of crazy thoughts in your mind. Lose them. Predestined is to be construed, it's, it's to be conjoined to the thought that this was an eternal plan that began in the heart of God long before the foundations for this planet were ever put in place. And before God ever created this earth or put a man in its atmosphere to continue the plan marching forward, he predetermined some things. That just simply means that God decided what it was going to be before it was. Decided who you were going to be in Christ, in Him, to Him, before you ever were birthed from your mother's womb. Now Romans 8 tells us what that is. His destiny for every human, every human being is for us to be conformed into the image of Jesus Himself. This is why John 17 says He loves you as much as and with the same love as He loves Jesus with. Again, people freak out at that. They don't believe that. But I'm not, that's not Pastor Mark's opinion. That is thus saith the word of the Almighty God. Are you hearing me? You see how far beneath our thinking has become in these things and how we've got to allow the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to bring us back up to this understanding and our participation, our fellowship with God in this mystery. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. The Bible clearly teaches, the Bible clearly teaches that before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, your Creator Father, your Heavenly Father already knew you. 
You may have been a surprise to your parents, but you were no surprise to him. The Bible says in Romans 8 that he foreknew you. Jeremiah talks about this. Here, again, we see it. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm that communicates this so beautifully, so poetically. You were a part of the plan before the plan ever unfolded. Amen. I want you to know that. There are a lot of people who have yet to surrender to God and become a part of the fellowship of this mystery. But it doesn't mean that He didn't include them in. It just simply means that they haven't chosen yet or those who have already passed refuse to choose. But every person, every person God knew and loved before we were ever formed in our mother's womb, before we were ever birthed into this planet. Again, the plan unfolding. Are you seeing this? I know that these things, listen, I, I, I've been doing this a long time, and these things still have a tendency to, to overwhelm the meat computer, right? That's why you got to, in your heart, right? you got to breathe it in by faith. you got to embrace it with your heart. The best advice I could ever give anybody is agree with God and agree with Him quickly. If He says He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb, quit arguing with Him and just say, thank you, Father. What does this mean to my life tonight? And what does this mean for my life moving forward? You're not an accident. You're not a coincidence. Isn't it interesting how belligerent, foolish, I want to use stronger words, but I won't. People, puppets of the devil, have spoken some of the harshest words to us where these things are concerned. I guarantee you there are people in this room who have had parents call them a mistake. Parents call them a waste of oxygen. If you think I'm crazy, then thank God for how you were raised. Parents who told you you'd never amount to nothing. When the truth is you amounted to Jesus before you were ever born to your Creator. That's how much you amounted. It's no coincidence. It's the enemy. It's strategic. It's the devil's devices. Ephesians chapter 3, let's go there for a moment. Paul said that he was given grace by God, verse 9, to preach, well, verse 8 says to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ among the Gentiles, and then verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. Now, things will not always be as they are right now. And I'm not just trying to wax philosophical on you. I'm talking about the way things are set up. The time that we spend on planet Earth is but a sliver of our eternal existence. Really, it's a sliver of a sliver because the entire Earth age as we know it, is but a sliver. God has not always been invisible, nor will He always be. Now we must embrace Him by faith with our hearts. It's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. If we could embrace Him with our eyes, if we could embrace Him with our flesh, there are many who would be satisfied with that and nothing more. But that alone would not be enough for Him to do in us and in me and in you what has to be done. And so it requires faith during this, big word like manna's dispensation, during this time frame, during this bracket of time. But there's coming a day where the scales will fall and our faith will become sight. I know that I'm giving you a lot of things that tend to boggle the mind. Again, bypass the meat computer, embrace them with your heart. But there will come a day in our existence, there will come a day in our reality when our time upon earth will be but a distant, faint memory. Please hear me. Please hear me. Please hear me. This plan that started eons ago that was initially launched and began to unfold with let there be light will continue long after what we know now as earth is over. It's eternal. It's eternal. I'm not going to take the time to explain this right now, but this is a key part in all of this. And the Holy Spirit has told me to tell you this. He wants you to know this. We need to understand this. Jesus told us this in parable form. He told us this straight up. He told us this every way that it could be told to us so that we would understand it. This life is both a proving ground and a training ground for what comes next. I keep saying that, I'm going to keep on saying it. The plan as we know it began in a garden and all we can see in Scripture revealed to us, a few things beyond that, but all we can see in Scripture is that it will end at a wedding feast and we will be joined to Christ like a bride is joined with her groom. This entire earth age has been about building the body of Jesus Himself. You say, I thought it was about getting as many people saved as we could get saved, Pastor Mark. Saved for what? Saved is how we become a member of the body. 
Salvation is a part of the plan, but it's not the totality of the plan. It's one more part of it unfolding, one more part of it unfolding. The mystery Paul talks about is eternal. It is the reason for creation. It is the, the reason for the existence of time and space. This mystery not only includes and involves you, but literally goes to the heart and purpose for your existence. And as we said this morning, it's so precious and important, it was hidden for millennia in the safest place in the universe, hidden within God Himself. If you never understand this mystery, you will never understand your reason for existence and your life will simply never make sense. Now, I want to, in the few minutes we've got left, I want to go back in and I want to break down some of these words for you. We're developing something here and it's taking a moment. I'm trying to take my time. I'm, I'm so excited, but amen, the Holy Spirit's helping me. I hope He's helping you. Let's go back to verse 9, it's on the screen, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now. What he's saying here is that all things were created for the purpose of this mystery. All things were pointing to this fulfillment. The word intent here means purpose or cause. It could just as easily been translated in order that or so that. If we take out the center part of that three verses we just read, to the intent that now, in order that now, so that now. Intent answers the questions to what end. What is this all about? What is it all for? He's, he's saying, what is creation all about? God created all things, but for what purpose? He created all things, but what was He trying to accomplish? God created all things, but what did He have in mind when He did all of this? And what is He trying to produce by it to this intent? In other words, these are the, the, we, could, we could say it's the mysteries of life, but this mystery will unlock the mystery of life. It's, it's the reason for life. It's the heart of life. It's, it's why there is a thing called life. It's why there's a universe. It's why there's an earth. It's why there are solar systems and galaxies. Everything that God created, He created with this intention to facilitate a medium through which this plan, this purpose, this mystery could unfold. And you and me are slap dab in the middle of it. Now doesn't just mean now, it means finally, at last, after all this time, now that everything is in place, everything that happened from um, before the beginning to now has been pointing to and leading to this moment. What is the moment? The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church 
A lot of words here. You keeping up? Might be made known by the church. Who's the church? We're the church. Talk about you. The church which is his body. Talk about us. I said you. Amen. It's, Lord's help me. The manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. He's talking about devils and demons, principalities and powers in the heavenly places. There are some commentators who say he's talking about holy angels. That would absolutely not fit with all the other references in the book of Ephesians, not to mention in other writings of Paul, when he's talking about, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. He's talking about devils and demons that have uh, congregated in the lower atmosphere around the earth to try and manipulate and control things upon the earth. If you're not familiar with it, devils and demons originally were holy angels. Lucifer rebelled in heaven against God. He fell, and the Bible says he took one-third of the angels with him. It's those angels that, were fall, that, that fell with Lucifer that have become devils and demons. Are you with me? They, they hang out in the lower atmosphere. They try to uh, manipulate and control um, the earth from that position. But, of course, we have authority over them because even though we're here, we're seated together with Jesus in the third heaven, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. I just gave you a lot in a lot of short period of time there. You still with me? So he's wanting you and me to make something known to them. I didn't write this. This isn't my plan. This is God's plan. Now, I'm going to get into this more next week, but let me just go ahead and say, I believe, based upon this passage and others in the New and others in the Old Testament, that when the plan was revealed to the angelic beings in heaven, that it created a disturbance that led to Lucifer's undoing and a third of the angels with him. And I know that I hear people say it all the time. I heard people I really respect today. I was listening to some things on you know, preaching today uh, between services. And, and um, listen, you got to lose this idea that the devil thought he could kick God out of heaven and take over. That was not his undoing. His undoing was you. His undoing was that when it was revealed that God was going to create a new being that would be just beneath Him and like Him in every way, and that angels would serve this new being, this was part of the plan. Are you hearing me? Part of the plan. And, and it caused Lucifer to disagree. It caused Lucifer to reject that and resist that. And so you could say it was pride, pride in the sense that he didn't submit himself to God, but his real undoing was jealousy. When he said, I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God, 
He didn't say I would exalt my throne above the throne of God. He said above the stars of God. And stars means offspring, the offspring of God. And of course we know that he failed. So the plan that led to the fall of, of Lucifer and all the demonic spirits. Notice now, all these millennia later, God is saying, now, show them I was right. Show them people will choose me. Show them that people will live for me and not their flesh. Show them, show them that I can take a man wallowing in sin and make him clean and make him one with me. Show them that I created you to be holy and without blame before me in love for all of eternity. Show them my power. Show them what I can do. Show them who you are. Show them who I made you in Christ. Show them the fulfillment of my plan to expand myself into you and you become one with me. Show them. The manifold wisdom. The manifold wisdom. The complicated, detailed, multifaceted, multidimensional, lots of plot twists, lots of twists and turns. Lots of times we thought it was the end, and it wasn't the end, it was just a new beginning. And then at the end of the Old Testament, God falls silent for several hundred years, and we think, well, he washed his hands and he finally realized that the plan was futile and he just went back to being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and he's just going to let this earth spin itself into oblivion. But then, then an angel appears to a teenage virgin and says, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. For you will conceive a child by the Holy Ghost and he will be Son of the highest. Now God is among us, speaking to us. Plan just hit a higher gear. We're now racing towards the fulfillment of what existed in the heart of God thousands of years before He said, let there be light. The manifold wisdom. This word wisdom, it can mean different things. This is what I believe it means, and this is, I'm quoting from a, the Complete Word Study Dictionary, New Testament. This word wisdom, by the way, if you look at me, the definition is like this long, okay? But at the very top of it, where it begins, it says this. Wisdom in this regard is speaking of wise management as shown in forming the best plans and selecting the best means, including the idea of sound judgment and good sense. The word manifold here It's speaking of the many-sided wisdom of God in all its infinite variety and innumerable aspects. 
Oh, sweet Jesus, I'm feeling this, man. I'm just, I got to shut it down. I know I do. Think of the, is quadrillion a number, Sister Pam? Yeah. Think of the quadrillion different aspects of God's plan just represented in this room. Maybe I went for too big of a number. Let me try to show it to you another way. Have you ever had things happen in your life that you couldn't explain? More to life than meets the eye. That you knew, that you knew, that you knew, that you knew that God was involved in that. That this, that this was something that was beyond you, outside of you. That it was God orchestrating some aspect, some detail in your life. Are you following what I'm saying? That's His plan unfolding, my brother, my sister. When we talk about the manifold, the multi-layered, the multi-dimensional, the multi-faceted, the many-sided, multi-variegated, I mean, there's all these words. And here, he, the, the, the Amplified throws in innumerable details that God has woven together in this tapestry called the Fellowship of the Mystery to produce what he purposed in his heart to produce from before the beginning. And it all comes back to this. Are you ready? To expand his glory by expanding himself. And he expanded himself by creating you and me in his image and likeness with a plan to make us one with Him. The Lord was speaking to me. He, I don't tell you this to brag, I'm just telling you. You know, I study, I study all the time, and there's times, man, you know, it just, I don't know how to explain it, but I woke up Friday morning, and he, it, this rarely happens, but I woke up Friday morning, and I was literally feverishly, and I'm, well, that's a bad word, I didn't have a fever. I was just, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between this sermon series and the Wednesday evening series. It's like he would, he would tell me something and I was over here typing and then, and then it was like, oh wait, no, then I go over, I'd swap over to another document, I'm typing it. Then it, it was like I, as I was typing what he told me about fit to one, he was Telling me what to put in the other one. I'm back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But let me, I'm going to finish right here, and I'm a good finisher, champion finisher. I can finish for hours. The Lord asked me a very pointed question. He said, have you ever considered yourself less of a son to your mom and dad because your brother was born first. I said, well, strange question, but no, I've never, never thought that I was less a member of the family or less a part of the family or less benefits or whatever because my brother was, I was like, you know how the Lord would sneak up on you, right? 
He said, so don't ever again think you're less of a son to me because Jesus was born first. Don't ever, don't ever think of yourself as anything less to me than him. My friend, that, when you're talking about an eternal mystery, it, it takes you a minute or two to really wrap your heart around it and communicate that in words. But that goes to the heart of this eternal mystery. God didn't just create you to be some toy or some project or some experiment. He created you with the full intentions of making you one with himself. To invite you and me into the fellowship with him that Jesus enjoys. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. Among other things, can I tell you what he's saying to us? Time to step it up a notch. Amen. Time to take this thing more serious than we've been taking it. Time to start considering our lives in a different light. Say, Pastor Mark, you, you don't know what I've done, and you don't know the mistakes I've made. Doesn't change the plan. Doesn't change the plan. That's why Jesus paid the price he paid. So that whosoever wants to be a part of the fellowship of the mystery can be. Before him, holy and without blame and love. Father, thank you for these men and women. Thank you, Father, that they heard your voice when you were saying to us today by your Holy Spirit, you got to get this. You got to get this. And Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit has come alongside us tonight. And as we have put forth the effort to consider these things, He's come alongside to reveal to us all things. I thank you, Father, for what you are teaching the men and women in this room tonight. Lord, you're our teacher. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. I'm not the teacher here. You're the teacher. And as sure as you revealed it to Paul, you're revealing it to us. And I thank you, Father, that these things are not just changing our individual lives, but they're changing us as a people. Thank you for the week ahead. May the light that you put in us, may the light that we've become in Christ so shine through us this week that people see our good works and glorify you in heaven, Father. May there be glory to you, Father, by the church in Christ Jesus, forever and ever to all generations. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I hope you've got something out of this tonight. Thank you so much for being here. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. We will.